Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And I am with a good friend, Jason Palliser, that I've known since. 2006, probably, Jason. Can you believe that? Yeah, we've known each other a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. Jason's a good friend of mine here in the St. Louis area. He's um, a Cardinal fan. So he passed the first litmus, litmus test to be on the show. He's, he's a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. But uh, no, seriously, Jason's a good friend. He's an investor, and he's been in the business a long, long, long time. He's done hundreds of deals. He has financed thousands of deals, probably. And uh, he's got a world of knowledge in real estate. And so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, but first, let me tell you guys, if you want the show notes, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes. Jason's probably going to be giving out some really incredible resources. And we'll keep notes of all of that stuff in the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. And you can check that out. And, um, but I'm glad to have Jason on the show. Jason, how are you, my man? I'm doing well, Joe. Just planning a wedding for myself and my fiance in September and um, congratulations. Out real estate deals. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes, it was doing great. Where are you getting married at? Are you going anywhere? San Diego. Nice. Beautiful there, huh? I love it. All right. So, um, Jason, man, I remember it's so funny how we met. And I've interviewed you before in the show, if you don't remember. It was back about 2011, I think is what it was. Mm hmm. Maybe after, but um, it's funny how we met though, because I was at a point where I was looking to buy some deals and I had two or three different people recommend you to me and I kind of blew it off, you know, and I, I don't know why at the time, but then I had a real good friend who happened to be your sister because mm -hmm. I was friends with her and her husband and yeah. uh, they said, you got to talk to this guy, Jason Palliser. And so I said, finally said, oh, you know what? That name keeps on coming around. I better give him a call. And so it uh, turned out you live just a few minutes away and you really helped me a lot with just kind of coming up with a plan of, all right, this is your end goal. Is These are the steps you need to take to get there. And this is how you need to prepare yourself. And at the time you were doing a lot of lending. So you were a mortgage broker, but you were still actively doing deals. You understood the investor side of things. Yeah. So yeah, that was really helpful. That was really helpful. Yeah, yeah. So Jason, you've always been actively doing deals. You survived the crash. And I'm sure you have some bumps and bruises, mm -hmm. but um, talk a little bit about that, would you? I mean, what, what did you do to survive the crash? Or did you? <laughs> Maybe you didn't. Uh, <laughs> um, so obviously lending for 23 years and specializing in investment and also being an investor myself. When the market started to turn, I got, uh, I got pinched on one property. I was trying to trying to flip for a profit, but the market had turned. So I actually just turned that one into a lease option. So I held on to it for the last, I don't know, 12, 13 years. I actually just sold it last summer yeah. and came out about 40 or 50,000 ahead. At the time, if my only strategy and uh, I was a, you know, a one trick pony uh, was to flip, then I probably would have lost 10, 15 grand. And just because I could, look at a deal and approach it a different way, 
you know, I saved that one. But when the market started to tank, you know, I was kind of conscious of it a little quicker than I would think a lot of other people, just because uh, at one point I was closing 40 to 50 loans a month, mainly for, I would say 98% for investors. So I saw the challenges that were, you know, I saw the writing on the wall. So I, I had already started to transition from flipping to other strategies that don't require you to sell when the market goes down, such as building up rentals and lease options. So I kind of made it through that with, uh, you know, relatively unskinned. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I guess that's one of the advantages to being a mortgage broker, isn't it? Because you can start seeing, before a lot of other people, changes in the market, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, when when banks start changing guidelines and tightening things, then, you know, that tells me the writing's on the wall. And uh, so... I usually try and keep my investors informed in, in that arena. Uh, I do more private money and hard money lending now. I have a guy, Kevin, on my team that does the mortgages, but I'm I'm more uh, private hard money side and then um, trying to bang out 10 to 15 deals a month on a consistent basis and then putting together two-day blueprints for city operators. So institutional money or a hedge fund says, hey, we need to get 1,000 properties in 30 months in Houston. And we need a single family. It's got to have at least a one-car garage. It's got to be a 1,000 square feet. Then what myself and my team will do, we'll put together the lead generation funnel. So 20 different ways to get to the good leads first. And then hammer out a process built out on a mind map. If you can imagine a mind map that's taken me 13 years to cultivate, tweak, fine-tune. And and then basically just build that out and put the process in place when the lead comes in. Here's your email message. When there's a phone number to be had here, there's several text messages, choose the appropriate one. And uh, all the way from direct mail to off-market strategies to advanced delinquent tax strategies. And then on the back end, we put uh, all the tracking so, so someone's highly organized in some free softwares that basically tell you what to do next so investors don't have to vote brain space to what to do next. They simply just wake up and... Get going sure. on the engine. So that's kind of what that's kind of what we're doing in today's marketplace. So you were doing a lot of lending back oh, yeah. in the day. Yep. That was your primary focus, mortgage, being a mortgage broker, even yep. though you're still doing deals. When the market turned and lending dried up, what were you doing then? Um, so um, when the market turned and, and lending dried up, um, it, it dried up on the um, you know just the if you're if you're able to prove that you can fog a mirror, you get a loan, you know, basically not have to verify anything. It it went more to buy and hold strategy, investors that had actual money to put down. And quite honestly, when the market turned, my business kind of started to speed up because all those people who had been waiting for the market to go down, Uh were waiting to start buying things up super cheap, pay cash and have rentals. And now they're sitting on houses that are worth two to three times what they bought them for when the market went down, they were just waiting for their buy and hold strategy. So um, when it goes up, things are great. When it goes down, all the people that have been waiting to pay cash, like there's plenty of people I know right now that are waiting to pay cash and they're just waiting for a dip in the market. There's a lot of people out there. And I remember when the market in 2012, you started hearing about it, a lot of cash coming back into the market. And um, that's when I kind of did more wholesaling, traditional wholesaling and not as many lease options, although we're still doing lease options, but really focused on finding the buyers because there was tons of inventory. 
mm-hmm. finding the buyers. And um, that was, yeah, that was quite a magical time. And in fact, it's still, it's still going on. There's still tons of money coming back into the market, looking for properties to buy and hold and rent and properties to rehab and fix. So yeah, that's fascinating. And so talk about Jason, if you would a little bit, what do you see the market doing right now? You're still doing deals. I want to ask you some questions about how you're doing your deals today. Like what kind of marketing are you doing and stuff like that? What do you see? It's working well today, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about market macroeconomics. You know, where do you see the housing market going right now? What I see is this. I see that there's, uh, you know, things are still going up. The market's hot, right? So what I see from an investment standpoint is that if you're looking to flip a house, you buy it, fix it, put it on the market, the market's hot, it sells pretty quickly. If you're looking to just trade paper for money and wholesale, that, that market's going well right now. But what I do see is that I don't see as many people, and again, I speak, and you know this, I travel and teach for the some of the biggest companies in America on real estate investment. So I you know, in a room of 200, 100, 300 people and you're networking on breaks and I'm going, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Buy and hold? No, not buy and hold. I see less people doing buy and hold right now because it's harder to get a property at a good price and cash flow it. So what I do see as a transition in the marketplace is that people are starting to look a little bit more at some vacation rental stuff because it can be three to four times the rent. But I see flipping going on. I see a lot of wholesaling going on. I see less buy and hold unless it's some newer strategy like a uh, Airbnb. At some point, the market's going to obviously take a dip. So I would say sometime in the next 24 to 36 months, you might see that. And where all those people have been stockpiling in their cash, you're going to see the buy and holds come back out again. Every strategy works in an up market or a down market, but that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. All right. So when you you see people that are doing some fixing and flipping or they're, they're putting their properties back on the market, how aggressive can people be right now with pricing? Should they, you know, because it used to be, there's two different philosophies, I think, you know, or maybe three. One of them is like, I'm going to be the nicest and cheapest home on the block. Mm-hmm. The other one is, and I'm just going to push it and try to get as much as I can. What do you think is the best strategy right now for people that are out there rehabbing and selling homes? I wouldn't push the envelope on price because if your machine works well enough, if you've, if you've put all the pieces in place to run a real, real investment business that just spits out opportunity after opportunity, I always say price things to sell. So I say price them right at market or a little below so they become attractive because you're not scared to wake up every day and rinse and repeat the process, right? If you're trying to bank on squeezing out every dollar out of a property, then I'm going to show you an investor that might have to hold on to it for two, three, four months. And now all of a sudden, if they didn't pay cash, the payments they're making are starting to squeeze into their profits. Or if they did pay cash, that means they can't pay cash for another one. And maybe that next opportunity is even better. So my philosophy is to market or a little bit below so that it flies off the shelf so that literally you keep your engine running. And if you follow that philosophy, you can wholesale deals in any market condition, can't you? <laughs> yep. Every, I always say the first thing I teach when we put together a blueprint for people is someone is always willing to pay more. So then we just need to get, get you unbelievably good at the front end, yeah. um, getting to the off-market deals 20 different ways so that you can write the contract and sell it to somebody for more, whether it's a 70 grand spread or a two grand spread. 
You make your money on the front end. Mm-hmm. You make your profit when you buy. Okay, so where do you see the market going in the next one year? Let's say six to 12 months. Do you see prices starting to go down, flatten? I would tell you that uh, if, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would tell you that I think they might go up a little bit, but I think they're going to level out for a little bit. Do you think inventory is going to get any better? I don't know that inventory is going to get any better. I don't see it either getting better. And for the simple reason, it leads to my next question, mortgage rates, right? Yeah. Um, rates are still ridiculously low, but if they're at an all-time high. I mean, they're at a high for the last five years or whatever, right? Correct. And uh, mm-hmm. so when somebody is thinking about selling their house and upgrading to a bigger house, they're going to have to pay a lot more money because interest rates have gone up since three or four years ago when they first bought their house. Does that make sense? Yep. And so it's not just a matter of they may buy a bigger house that costs more money, but the increase that they're going to see, they may even buy the same house mm-hmm. for the same price, but their mortgage payment's going to go up 500 bucks a month, you know? Uh, yeah, we have those conversations all the time. Kevin on my team or or if um, I take an appointment for him because he pretty much handles it. It's always an eye opener. We're like, man, I can't believe this. I'm um, I'm actually paying right at the same for a house, but my payment's going to be going up $400. I'm like, it's because yeah. you're setting to move when the rates have gone up. So, All right. So do you think rates are going to continue to go up? I don't see anything that tells me that they're not going to continue to stay where they're at or grow up a little bit. So I would say they're probably going to tick up a little bit. Yeah. And as we're recording this, you're looking at a 30 year mortgage is still only four and a half percent or something. Is that right? Yep. And I love it when people complain about that. I'm like 23 <laughs> years in, I'm like, I remember when people were like, Hey man, do you think you can give me 8.875? I'll back. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, let's talk about the deals that you're doing. Cause Jason, we only got about 15, 20 minutes left here. Yeah. Um, you guys are doing a lot of deals and mm-hmm. I like how you set up your systems. You've got boots on the ground. You've got people doing the marketing, getting the leads and you're just kind of like the, uh, I don't want to say the master puppeteer, but like mm-hmm. you're kind of, you got all these systems and, and things going on. Talk about what you're doing today. Okay. So um, yeah, in today's marketplace. So I have a team of two, maybe a third person that has me run the day to day. And basically, they're running off of the two-day blueprint that I put together. So we have tons of offline strategies and online things that we do to get to the opportunities first. So what we do is we make it our business to get in front of every potentially good opportunity before everyone else. We don't even care about contracts or closings. My team knows, and, and when I teach people and train people, I'm like, the first thing we have to do is focus on getting the most appointments. And Joe, you know as well as I do where that starts is you have to have a systematic approach to doing it. So in today's marketplace, uh, what my team does is they pop open a tab called the Perfect Investor Day and they go down that list. Uh, The first thing they do is they attack uh, uh, online Facebook real estate groups, meetup groups, and a few other things. And uh, the first thing that they wake up to every day because they have their non-negotiables laminated from the blueprint. It says, uh, when you wake up, your feet don't hit the floor. I always say that if you don't check your meetup group emails and your Facebook groups first, somebody could have posted a perfect opportunity for you. And if you wait till 8 or 9 or 10 a.m. because you played around on social media or did something else or got caught up in 
things that don't matter, then somebody else has that opportunity. So then we just go to the next step um, where they're managing people that are live and on, on the ground, getting in front of the good properties, driving for dollars, bird dogs, you name it. And then we throw them straight into our system. We have targeted marketing that we slap on their door. Um, we have skip tracing that we do. They've already got in place 20 sample objections that we're ready to overcome. And they're setting those appointments and then we take them through the seller waltz that, um, that I teach people. One of the things I like about what you're doing, and I know the folks that are working for you, uh, Alyssa is one of them. Yeah. You're, you're doing very little direct mail. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I don't know how to say it, but like, I, I just laugh when, so I have, I have clients flying into town right now that are coming to the airport tonight. We're doing a two day blueprint starting tomorrow. And both of them asked the question like, Hey, um, I heard you can show me how to scale this up and you do it and you put together tracking and marketing programs for city operators that are closing 40, 50 houses a month in multiple markets. And what's my budget? How much direct mail do I have to do? Uh, so I, I always answer the question like this, Joe, and I can use July as an example. I think at month end, we've closed out 13 deals. I was trying to squeak out a 14th, 13 deals. And this month we've spent a little under 850 bucks on marketing. Yeah. Whereas my competition here in St. Louis that are trying to squeeze out 10 deals a month or maybe 15 that I know personally that are my friends and you probably know a couple of them. They spend seven to 10 to 12 to 15 grand a month. That works for them. But, and again, I know they do other things, but that to me looks, feels, tastes like, smells like more of a one trick pony to me. And it works. They make good money. I mean, I'm happy for them, but you don't have to just, uh, lay on some big direct mail budget grenade to close out deals like a pro. If you can imagine when these city operators get a job and then they're referred to me, they're like, they get a job to get a thousand homes in 30 months or 36 months. And they get a percentage of the value of the portfolio on the back end could be millions of dollars and they're excited. But when they wake up the next day and they don't have 25 closings set for the month and 40 appointments makes them a little nervous. And then they refer them to me. And then I'll show them the 20 different ways that we get to the good deals first and um, online, offline, and it doesn't have to involve a big budget for direct mail. And so I love it. So the people that come into town, I had a gentleman from Detroit who came into town closing 50 deals a year. And his 50 deals a year, uh, he wanted to scale up and he was spending, I think, 13 grand a month on direct mail and he's closing and making lots of money. And once we were done, uh, I think he's cut that down to a third and he's increased his closing. So yeah, we don't have to rely on just direct mail to get results. Other things that we do, we have very deliberate ways that we attack houses. And the reason our direct mail piece gets such a good response and we don't have to mail out again, 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 is that the stuff and the marketing pieces that we put together, I would be willing to bet anybody's ears that listen to this podcast, if we sent you that piece of mail and you got it, chances are you're going to open it. We, we have a pretty nasty open rate, if that makes sense. So if the stuff is good and it gets open and the letters on the inside that you put are good enough, then you get a response quick and you don't have to keep mailing over and over and over, which obviously raises up your budget. 
when we have clients come into town and, and we map out their process, we actually show them what I've been taught by city operators for hedge funds, how we manipulate nine, uh, nine data points that you can get from any realtor in 60 seconds. And once we have those data points, we don't need the realtor anymore. And now we can hunt and sift from thousands of homes in any city in America and drill down on Zillow, Craigslist, Trulia, Hotpads, OLX. Um, once we have those nine data points and we put them together for our blueprint clients, they can take that data and we can go on each of those websites I just mentioned, Craigslist, Zillow, Trulia, and all the other ones, and go from thousands of homes down to 20 or 30 that they know with the highest degree of certainty that they simply need to message them well and get that appointment before everybody else because that's the real game. So when we're done doing that, there's no more looking at pictures. Uh, the clients don't look at pictures anymore because pictures don't set appointments. Pictures don't get you checks. Being first to things does. So we'll eliminate all the paralysis by analysis and all the guesswork and overanalyzing so that you just wake up like a machine and get to the good ones first on a daily basis. So in the online world, we do that. And in fact, once we're done, the next section that we do when we do do a blueprint is we show them how to automate it. So if you can imagine a world where we automate it and once it's automated now all of a sudden you don't have to go to craigslist you don't have to go to truly a zillow hot pads olx because if a perfect match via data because we just taught you how to manipulate it to get to the good ones if a perfect match shows up and your phone lights up and you already have the emails done and if they have a phone number you've already got the text messages done, and you call them set the appointment then you win the game so we can automate that so where the only person that could beat you is anybody that's refreshing the screen 24 hours a day over and over and over and over so imagine where you don't have to be on craigslist and you don't know if it's going to pop up thursday at 4 12 p.m but when it does your phone lights up you've already emailed your or you've already text messaged yourself the perfect email that we know gets the appointment because we've done it thousands of times and you win the game and uh because you just hold your thumb over it copy paste send and um so that's what we do in the online world we can start your phone lighting up if you don't have to vote brain space to what email would I send? Then no, one, then no one can move faster than you. If you already have text messages, so the, if there's a phone number on that lead that comes into you that you already know what to text and you get them on the phone, now it's not a fair fight. And uh, where everybody else is um, you know, being reactive, uh, we've set up things to automate and be proactive. So in the online world, we can help you blanket the entire internet for any city that you want and show you how to scale it up. And in the offline world, we show you what pieces we use to win all the way down to nasty marketing that we, that our team does. So just to let you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what we do. Okay. So hopefully that kind of answers your questions, Joe. Um, that's what we're doing in today's marketplace. In the offline world, we have marketing pieces that most people don't have in place. And, quite frankly, we're thankful for that. And they're so highly targeted for the different types of leads that it's just simply not a fair fight. And uh, so we want to make sure that every time we get our hands on somebody, they actually have a real system in place that works. And they wake up on purpose and know what, how the day is going to look and the day doesn't attack them, they attack the day. And um, so those are some of the things that we're doing in today's marketplace 
right now that have us consistently knocking down deals. Okay. One of the other things that we do that I get hit up in the online, the big online Facebook groups left and right is that we also teach people a seller waltz. So on day two, when we put together a blueprint, we walk you through a seller waltz so that you don't have to be the person that says this, Hey, Mr. Smith, I know you want a hundred thousand for the house, but I'm closer to 90,000. If anything changes, can I be the first person you call back? Cause I can close fast and pay cash. Well, that's, um, that's a rookie. So we'll teach you to expect to not be together on price every appointment. And since you expected to be a part on price, we'll teach you a seller waltz. That's a four minute seller waltz that asks all the right questions to identify how that deal can truly and honestly get done several different ways. So we'll show people when we say, okay, let's attack this marketplace, right? You're going to go on more appointments than your brain's ever allowed. And now that you're on the appointment, let's take it like a pro. So they'll learn a seller waltz where they don't beat people up and they actually have a good relationship with the property owner and don't beat them up about the roof or foundation. They offer several ways to help them out and work with them. And during that seller waltz, there's seven different ways that we turn that no into money, which most investors will never know how to do. So if we button up the online world, we button up the offline world, we don't have to spend a bunch on marketing and we have a bone crushing process that every lead goes into. My team built out the tracking funnel so you don't have to devote brain space to that. Then we teach you how to crunch numbers at a hedge fund level so we can show you how to drill from thousands of homes every morning while your coffee's brewing to 20 and get to those appointments first like a pro. And then we teach you how to take the appointment doing a seller waltz where you don't have to be the person that says, hey, if anything changes, can I be the first person you call back and if you can come down to my number? You're basically telling the property owner, It's not about you. It's about me. If you can come down to a number that makes me happy, call me. And then they wonder why investing feels hard. So we see the value in fine tuning and tweaking these things. I've tested these things out thousands of times. So that's kind of how we do it. Very cool. Hey, listen, can you talk more about how people can get more information on the the two-day blueprint that you do? That sounds really fascinating. Yeah. So anybody interested in... Um, answering a questionnaire so I can see your investor DNA, where you're, whether you're a beginner or a pro, just go to twodayblueprint.com. And um, there's a spot there to grab a form. And it'll also give you access to my calendar. And then we'll set up a call and we'll walk you through what you want to get accomplished and go from there. Very good. How can they get that again? They can just go to twodayblueprint.com, grab a questionnaire, and it gives you a link to my personal calendar. And then uh, we'll have a conversation about how we can help you destroy marketplaces. Nice. Two day. Does it matter with the number two or the letter two? Yeah. The number two, number two day blueprint.com. Good. And you, it's number two, D a Y B L U E P R I N T.com. Yep. And Jason, are you active in social media? Do you have like a Facebook or Instagram? Oh, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Never mind. No. <laughs> Unless you want to see Jason sing 80s, uh, <laughs> 80s boy band music. Hey, if you can't have fun, then what are you doing it for, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook. You can see me on Instagram. I'm twenty number 2424-hour-entrepreneur, 24-H-O-U-R-entrepreneur. And uh, on Instagram and then on Facebook, you can find me, Jason Palliser. 
and uh, more than happy to help anybody. Joe, as you know, when we yeah. sat down and uh, you were mapping out your plan, we just put our brains together and um, all of a sudden where things look like they would come to a standstill, they exploded. So ready to help anybody. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> you, you are actually a good singer. It's, it's, um, it's funny because <laughs> Jason doesn't care what you think about him. And so he'll just get on Instagram and sing as loud as he can, whatever song is on the radio. So if you, <laughs> if you are, if you want some good entertainment, definitely follow him on Instagram. I mean, yeah, I take requests too. I mean, Joe keeps hitting me up to sing. I'm too sexy. I'm like, Joe, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, twodayblueprint.com. I recommend it. Jason's a good guy. He's been in the business a long time, has tons and tons of experience. Um, and listen, one more thing too. Let me, let me throw some mortgage business at you, Jason. Like if anybody out there is wanting to get some mortgages for some investment properties, mm-hmm. how can they get a hold of you and Kevin? Um, they can just email me and um, just tell me what you're looking to do and I can map out a plan. I've done it for 23 years. Um, it is jason at gocjason.com. Jason at G-O-S-E-E-J-A-S-O-N.com. Or if you want to apply directly for a mortgage because you need one now, you can just go to applywithkevin.com and Kevin will get a notification when you've applied and then we'll map out a plan from there and attack it. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So again, Jason's email is jason at gocjason.com or his website with his business partner in the mortgage business, Kevin, is applywithkevin.com. Hey, thanks for your time, Jason. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Talk to you soon, Joe. All right. See you guys. And again, again, guys, if you want to get these links and the show notes and all that stuff, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com and look up Jason. And uh, in the search bar, you'll find this podcast and you'll see all the links in there. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.